Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Nutrition Ninjas podcast with your favorite registered dietitians, Rachel and Kristen. This week is our final topic in our food group series. Um, but before we get into all that, Kristen, what's the scoop? What news do you have for us? Oh, big news, big news. Running, in the world of running, we are seeing benefits with memory and stress. So there was this study done that shows how chronic or prolonged stress can weaken the synapses, which is how our brain cells talk to each other. And when those are weakened, that ultimately will impact memory. Um, However, running can help block those negative effects of stress and protect the brain region that's responsible for learning and memory. So you can use exercise, like especially running, um, as a great way to eliminate the negative impacts of chronic stress on your memory. Oh, awesome. So exercise doesn't just have, like, short-term benefits for stress. Like, it can, in the long-term, help, too. Exactly. Yes. So, run today, no Alzheimer's tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. That is awesome. Yeah. What new fun food have you found? So, recently, I've been seeing a lot of stuff on the internet about (laughs) um, a new meat substitute that I would never have thought of as a meat substitute. Um it's oh a boy. fruit. Yes. Oh. Any any guesses? A fruit. Uh, yeah. Dragon fruit. No. But you got <laughs> the last part of the word right. Um, it's jackfruit. Um, oh. Have you ever had jackfruit? I have not. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I've only had – I've had, like, jack, dry jackfruit and jackfruit – chips um oh interesting but so all the a lot of the stuff i've seen has been for using jackfruit as a meat substitute especially with like like barbecue type dishes so instead of pulled pork or pulled chicken using like pulled jackfruit with barbecue sauce yeah (laughs) that Um, is crazy yeah so now i'm super curious as to like what it tastes like and what the texture is like yeah i need to try this is it available yeah. commercially, or is it just some, like, crazy restaurants doing it so far? Yeah, I haven't seen anything in the store for it. Um, I've seen you know, stuff from restaurants and then recipes, too. Um, okay. I wonder if some of the – well, I, okay, well, I just Googled it. Um, and there is, like, some – you can get it on, like, Google Shopping. There's a couple of brands that do have, yeah, like pulled jackfruit. Interesting. Um, One of the brands is called Upton's. Upton's, okay. So if you guys are interested in trying. Let us know how it goes. Let us know. Yeah, yeah. Um, Now, it doesn't, I mean, since it is a fruit, it it really doesn't have very much protein. Um, I think I saw that it was like three grams of protein per cup, which is, not really comparable to 
actual needs. So just something to consider. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't look to that as a, as a source of protein. <laughs> Good call. Good yeah. Call. Yeah. All right. Are we ready to uh, jump into dairy? Let's do it. Okay. Um, so last but not least in our food group series. Um, so the Dietary Guidelines for Americans and the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics and the American Heart Association all recommend eating three servings of low-fat or fat-free dairy a day. Um, and the main reason behind that is that dairy is a good source of three out of the four nutrients that are of public health concern. And those are calcium, potassium, and vitamin D. So let's talk about milk first. Um, milk is a pretty good source of protein. It's got eight grams per cup. Um, it's also got calcium. It's fortified with vitamin D. Um, it's got phosphorus, it has vitamin A, and also vitamin B2 and B12. So when we're looking at different types of milk, um, there are a lot of different options. Kristen's going to talk more later about milk alternatives or alternatives to cow's milk. Um, but here in America, we drink mostly cow's milk. I guess occasionally you could see like goat's milk and sheep's milk. Um, but as far as the animal milks, cow reigns supreme. Um, <laughs> and there's kind of a debate about is it better to drink fat-free milk versus whole milk. Um, so there are kind of some pluses and minuses to both. Um, I think some pluses of fat-free milk is that it does have less calories and less saturated fat. But it still has the same amount of protein and macro or micronutrients. Um, but some benefits to whole milk are that the milk or sorry, the fat in the milk may help increase the absorption of some of those fat soluble vitamins. Um, and fat may also help promote satiety and give you that uh, feeling of fullness. So I think really it comes down to your personal preference. Um, the a good amount of well, yeah, I think it's pretty much personal preference. What do you think? <laughs> I would agree. I would agree. In your health needs, if you're someone who maybe is really at risk for high cholesterol or is really trying to watch their weight, then those lower fat milks are probably a better choice for you. Um, if you don't need to watch those as closely or you don't get fat in a lot of other areas of your diet, then go for the 2% or the whole milk. Yeah, I think that's a good point. It kind of really depends on your individual health needs. Um, and so, like, little kids, um, they recommend introducing milk um, at 12 months of age. And for those kids in between a year and two years, they need that extra fat for brain development. So the um, American Academy of Pediatrics does recommend doing the whole milk or um, for the kids that age. And then after ages two and up, that's when they recommend starting the reduced fat milks or low fat milks. Kristen, what type of milk do you drink or prefer? Oh, 
if we're talking about cow's milk, I usually go for the one or the two percent. Hmm. What about you? I usually go for the skim, mostly because that's what I'm used to now, and the other milks just taste too, like, creamy for me, <laughs> which I know most people like the creaminess, but, I don't, yeah, I think I like I like the skim. Yeah. Um, so some m- milk myths. Um, I feel like there's been some um, – just questions about milk and is it actually as healthy as people say it is for us. Um, So one of the things I've heard is that milk causes acne or may increase acne. Um, And there have been some studies out there showing a correlation between milk and dairy consumption and acne, but I think it's important to remember that a correlation does not necessarily mean a causation. And I don't think that there's quite strong enough evidence to um, be able to confidently say that milk can contribute to acne. Um, so I would say if it's something that you notice you your skin is better without drinking a lot of dairy, um, then maybe you can cut it back. But, again, I think there's not strong enough evidence to really, to really warrant that. Mm-hmm. Um, Another thing out there that I've seen about milk is all the hormones in milk. Um, (laughs) But from what I've researched, um, so, I mean, cows, there's hormones in human milk, so there's hormones in cow's milk. Um, From what I've researched, the um, bovine, the cow hormones, actually don't really have any biological activity in humans. And even if they did, the amount that is in milk is so small, and most of it is destroyed during the pasteurization process. Um, So it's not really something that I think is a a big concern or should be a big concern. Um, And then a lot of people, you know, ask, well, is organic milk better for you than Regular milk, um, so organic milk by the USDA's definitions just mean that the cow has to be fed only organic feed um, and that it has to have access to pastures throughout grazing season um, and it can't be treated with synthetic hormones or given antibiotics. Um, so because of the whole pasture feeding requirement, organic milk might have a little bit higher omega-3 fatty acid content, but that really, it can vary a lot depending on the season and the weather and how much exposure those cows actually got. And milk isn't really a significant source of fatty acids anyway, um, so it doesn't make too big of a difference. Um, Organic milk does last longer just because the way it's pasteurized is different, so if you like getting milk, but your milk always spoils before you can finish it, maybe you can um, think about organic. Um, but for me, I go through milk pretty quickly, and I drink a good amount of milk, so I don't really want to shell out the extra money for the organic milk. <laughs> um, and the last, I never knew that. Yeah, yeah. Um, the last hot-button issue surrounding milk is inflammation, which 
Kristen and I have talked about <laughs> in the past. I think you know how we feel about the word inflammation. Um, <laughs> but um, in a systematic review of 52 clinical trials that were investigating the inflammatory markers um, related to dairy consumption, they found that overall there were actually anti-inflammatory effects on humans. Um, Boom. Yeah. So, and then when they did find pro-inflammatory activity, it was mostly in people who were allergic to milk. So, if you have a milk allergy, of course you're going to have some inflammation after you drink milk. But most people, there were actually anti-inflammatory effects. So, bam. Love it. Um, now, Kristen, you said you, if you're drinking cow's milk, you go for, like, the 1% or 2%. Um, but I know that that's not your preferred milk of choice. No, it is not, which is not anything to do with its nutritional quality. I wish I loved the taste of milk because it's also a lot cheaper, but... I really like some of the alternative milks, which we're going to talk about next. So the first alternative milk, and probably the one closest in nutritional composition to cow's milk, is soy milk. So soy milk, um, calorie-wise, can range greatly depending on if it's sweetened or unsweetened. But this is the alternative milk that consistently has the most protein out of all the alternative milks. Um, it comes in a lot of different flavors now, sweetened or unsweetened. Um, and personally, this one is not my favorite taste-wise, <laughs> but it is probably one agree. of the most popular. Yeah, I kind of, I don't know how to describe soy milk if you've never had it. It's thicker, um, especially like the vanilla sweetened ones almost taste like cake batter, which is good, <laughs> but I could never drink a whole cup. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and then the next one we'll talk about is also just as popular, if not more popular, and my personal favorite, and that's almond milk. Almond milk has gained a lot of popularity, I think, because it can be so low in calories. Um, between like 25 and 30 calories for a cup are some of the unsweetened varieties. However, it also um, is lacking in protein. So most almond milks have around one gram of protein or even less than that. Um, and usually around like one, maybe two grams of fiber. Oh, um, okay. I didn't realize it had fiber. Yeah, there's also a new kind out that is called, um, I think it's an almond milk with prebiotics. And that has even more fiber. Have you seen it? I've seen it, yeah. Yeah, it is actually really good. Silk makes it. Um, It's an almond cashew milk blend. And it's pretty delicious. I think it's pretty good. Um, and it does have 
a good little hit of fiber in it for you. Nice. Um, there's also along those same lines with like almond milk blends. Um, there is an almond milk with protein in it, also made by Silk. It's just called a protein nut milk. And that's probably my all-time favorite alternative milk ever. It has 10 grams of protein, comes in plain or vanilla, and is just really creamy and delicious, if you ask me. Um, but it does have, especially um, the vanilla kind, does have some added sugar in there. And with any of these alternative milks, um, even if there is vitamins and minerals listed on the back, um, like listed on the nutrition label is what I'm trying to say, um, <laughs> science is still kind of on the fence of whether or not those vitamins and minerals added in through fortification um, are truly absorbed as well as vitamins and minerals that are naturally occurring. So mm-hmm. just like we wonder if taking a multivitamin is really as beneficial as getting your vitamins and minerals from fruits and vegetables and whole grains, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the same holds true with those vitamins and minerals that aren't naturally found in your almond milk, your soy milk, et cetera. So just something to think about. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, there's also some of the less popular ones are flax milk. Um, which also does not have protein, but it does have a pretty good dose, 1,200 milligrams of your omega-3s. Hey. Um, rice milk, also no protein, and it is <laughs> the highest in carbohydrates and sugar, um, but pretty mm-hmm. watery. So if any of you out there love rice milk, go for it. Um, just probably not the most nutritious choice. Yeah. I feel like it's good for kids that have a ton of allergies, maybe. Like yes. if they have nut allergies and soy allergies and milk allergies, like rice yes. milk is one of the few that is left. <laughs> good point. Good point. Um, along those same lines, though, is an up-and-coming alternative milk, which is a pea milk. Have you seen those in the store, mm-hmm. Rachel? Yes, I have. I think you showed it to me. Yeah. So. There's a couple different brands that are out there now. Um, the one that I have personally tried and can attest to is the Bolt House Farm non-dairy plant milk is what it's called. And it uses pea protein, and it has 10 grams of protein in a cup and um, also has some vitamin D, some calcium, some iron, potassium, vitamin A, E, and B12. But, again, same thing as with the other um, alternative milks we were talking about. Some of those have been added back in, and they aren't naturally found in the peas, so may or may not be absorbed as well. Mm. But it's pretty delicious. I got the vanilla kind, which has a lot of added sugar in it, but it's pretty good. <laughs> and is then, the texture, would you say the texture is more on the creamy side? or yes. I would say it's okay. closer to, um, like, your soy milk texture, a little okay. bit thicker and creamier, or the consistency okay. of, like, a 2% milk. Okay. Kind of along those lines. But it is dairy, lactose, nut, soy, 
carrageenan? Is that how you say that word? Oh, yeah, carrageenan, maybe? <laughs> yeah, whatever that big word is. And gluten-free. So, would be another good choice for someone who um, has really lost the lottery in terms of allergies. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then, last but not least, is coconut. Coconut milk um, is the highest in fat of most of the other alternative milks. It has five grams of saturated fat in a cup, which is actually more than whole milk has. So pretty delicious if you like the coconut taste. <laughs> but if you are watching your saturated fat intake, um, just be cautious of, of that. Mm. Mm-hmm. So overall, my tips with alternative milk, if you're into those, something I like to do is mix, like, unsweetened vanilla almond milk with cow's milk so I can get the benefits of cow's milk and make my vanilla almond milk last longer um, but still get that taste that I like. Um, Also, just looking for ones that have protein, if possible, and looking for the unsweetened varieties. Yeah, good tips. What's your favorite alternative milk, Rachel? I really like almond milk, actually. Um, So I typically will buy both regular milk and almond milk um, because I like to use the almond milk for certain things, like um, in my coffee or, like, with cereal or... Um, if I'm making a smoothie, I like the almond milk. Um, I like to get the vanilla kind, um, or like the vanilla unsweetened. Um, cause then if I have it with something that's kind of sweet, I feel like it goes well, um, with that. So I like the almond milk. Yes. Pretty much what I'm intrigued well. Yeah. I'm intrigued by the pea milk though. I'm gonna have to try it. Yes. It's pretty pricey, but Ooh. if you're lucky enough to live near a Kroger slash Baker's, they had them on sale this week for like half the price. So they were actually cheaper than all the other alternative milks. So hey, that's what led to me adventuring out and trying them. Nice, nice. Yeah, look for the sales. Sometimes they have pretty yes. good um, specials on those types of things. Yes, exactly. All right, let's talk about cheese. Um, Who doesn't love cheese? (laughs) Um, So cheese, of course, since it is made from milk, has a lot of the same good stuff that milk has in it, the calcium, the vitamins, the um, protein. Um, The only thing, cheese can tend to be higher in saturated fat and pretty calorie-dense. Um, so I recommend kind of just using it in moderation and also looking for natural cheeses instead of the more processed cheese. Don't um, be hating on my Velveeta. <laughs> talking about Velveeta, American <laughs> cheese. Yeah. Um, so those are cheese products, but they've got some additional ingredients added to them. <laughs> um, not that you can never have them, just, you know, Ooh, thank you. be mindful. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I I recommend picking cheeses 
um, that have a strong flavor because then you can use a small amount and that small amount will still go a long way. Um, so things like Parmesan and sharp cheddar, um, feta cheese, those are kind of um, on the stronger side. So I feel like a little bit goes a long way. Good tip. Um, yes. And then the different cheese flavors um, develop based on the origin of the milk. So not only the type of animal that it comes from, but also that animal's diet. And then also um, the type of if they added any bacteria or mold to it, like with um, blue cheese. Um, and then the processing and the aging, those all kind of contribute to the different flavors that you find in cheese. Some of my favorites are probably Parmesan, mozzarella, brie, and feta. Um, Kristen, what's your, what are your favorite cheeses? Currently, Gouda. It's mm, that's just, pretty it's so creamy. <laughs> it's so creamy, and it's just great with crackers. I love that as a little snack. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I forget, like, cheese and crackers is just such a good little snack or appetizer. And I feel like I go through phases where I'll, like, be really into it, and then I'll forget about it for a little while, but then I'll go back to it. <laughs> yes. It's a sturdy um, standby. It is, yeah. I really like, like, for kids or adults, like those, like, cheese sticks. Or even, like, Baby Bell makes those little round ones. Um, yeah. Or the Laughing Cow makes these little triangle creamy ones that are really good. And they come in a ton of different flavors. So I'm a big fan of those. Yeah, those are great for lunches or snacks on the go, road trips. Yeah. Yum, um, yum. Right. Well, last but not least, in the dairy group, we are going to talk about my favorite, yogurt and kefir. Woo! So what is the difference? Someone at work actually asked me this question just a couple days ago. And they're very similar. Both are fermented dairy products that are full of probiotics, which are the good bacteria, and they're both made out of milk. They um, have some similar um, probiotic properties to them. Lactobacillus bacteria digest the lactose in milk and create lactic acid for both of them. However, kefir also involves yeast, which is why kefir's taste is a lot tangier. And to create kefir, um, you use grains, which these grains, they aren't like whole grains that we talk about, um, but they're kind of like colonies of bacteria, and they <laughs> each have a unique microbial profile, depending on the milk that it was grown in, the microbial environment where the fermentation occurred. So therefore, each batch of kefir is going to be completely different in its probiotic um, composition. So uh, okay. for both yogurt and kefir, 
the beneficial microorganisms that they contain can help in inhibit the growth of um, bad bacteria, essentially, both in foods that you may digest, but also the bad bacteria that are just in your digestive tract. They can also enhance the digestion of other foods. And what I think is so cool, they can synthesize, which means create on their own, valuable nutrients like B12 and vitamin K. So these bacteria can create B12 and vitamin K in your digestive tract just on their what? own. What? Isn't that so crazy. cool? They're like itty-bitty little vitamin factories living inside of you. That's insane. They're the coolest. Um, some research also shows that um, or suggests that these have um, anti-carcinogenic, which means anti-cancer, and immune-stimulating properties as well as cholesterol-lowering effects. So lots and lots and lots of benefits from our probiotic friends, yogurt and kefir. When trying to decide um, if you want to jump on the probiotic train and start getting into more yogurt and kefir, some things to look for, of course, is sugar. Um, since both yogurt and kefir are pretty tangy and not everyone loves that taste, a lot of sugar can be added, whether that's in, like, pure um, fruit form with fruit purees added to it, um, or it might be honey or cane sugar whatever it may be, um, those get added a lot. So read the label on that. And then also if you're looking for uh, more of a protein hit, your Greek yogurt is going to be a better source of that. Um, however, there are some kefir, which usually comes in a drinkable form. It's usually found in a bottle, although now more companies are making it like in the little cups. Um, but some of those have been strained out so that they're higher in protein as well. So with anything, reading the label is really important. And just make sure that they have, if you're buying it commercially, that it says contains live and active cultures because some yogurts are actually, quote, unquote, yogurt products that no longer have live and active cultures, which are those good bacteria still in them. So look for that. Ooh. Kristen, I know you make your own kefir. Um, yes. Do you uh, how do you add anything to it? When, like how do you how do you like to drink or eat it? Or yeah, how do you like to ingest it? <laughs> how do I kefir? Yes, I love to bake with it. It's a great alternative to buttermilk. Um, so I use it in baking a lot. But I also like to freeze it in ice cube trays and then use it um, for smoothies, especially in the morning. I'll make a smoothie where I blend up coffee, frozen kefir, frozen chunks of banana, some PV2, which is powdered peanut butter, and a little bit of cocoa powder or like a chocolate protein powder. And it is super delicious. And um, you get a good hit of those probiotics. So I love it in smoothies because then the natural um, 
sweetness from like fruits or other flavors that you add in um, reduce the need for actually adding a sweetener. But if I'm just eating it on its own as yogurt, then I'll add some stevia or even some sugar-free um, pudding mix, which Rachel knows I'm obsessed with and I use it in so many <laughs> things. But that also can give it a really good flavor and make it even like a thicker pro or a thicker. Oh, yeah. Pudding. Yum. Do you prefer kefir over yogurt? Um, no. I would say I love them both equally for different mm-hmm. things. Just to eat with a spoon, definitely yogurt. Definitely, definitely yogurt. But in smoothies, I like kefir a lot more. Okay, okay. What's your favorite way to have yogurt? I know kefir isn't your favorite. Mm. Um, I really like, I like to substitute Greek yogurt for sour cream. So if I'm mm. doing like any kind of dip, um, like, like a ranch dip, I'll use Greek yogurt instead of sour cream or in like a spinach type dip or even with like, like Mexican food with tacos, um, that because that way I think like you can kind of embrace the sourness like you don't have to hide it like I think for me it's all about um, expectations like the first <laughs> time that I tried Greek yogurt I I was not expecting <laughs> I was not expecting it to be so sour I was expecting like I, something sweet um, but I think if I you know if you go in knowing that it's going to be sour and embracing the sour then that helps um yeah but i do also like some of the like just sweet like as a snack um i really like the yoplait greek yogurts and the dannon light and fit greek greek yogurts um because those tend to be a, a little bit lower in sugar than some of the other um ones out on the market yes Hint, hint, we're looking at you, Nusa, that has a yes. profile of ice Nusa. cream. Of a candy bar. Or a candy bar, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, it's so true. I, like, I, 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 people love Nusa, and that's great, but I would rather have ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have had one of theirs, I've had, tried Nusa before, and it is delicious. I give it that. So if you want it as a special treat, well, heck, if you want it every single day, we can't tell you what to do. But I see it as a good little treat for a yogurt every once in a while for, yeah, yeah. in my opinion, for myself. Yeah, I would say think of it more like a treat or a dessert than a, like, all the time. A breakfast like, staple. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right. Well, I know your kefir always makes you smile, but is there anything <laughs> else that's been making you smile lately? Yes. So board games have mm-hmm. been making me smile a lot lately. I've got to play them with some friends the last few weekends, and I just forget how wonderful they are. When I was a kid, I would play them all the time. And then you grow up and think that you don't get to have fun anymore, which is such a lie. I have thoroughly enjoyed just 
having fun and being competitive over silly things and hanging out with friends over some board games lately. Mm, nice. What Did about you, board game? Oh, yes. Everyone hates me for this. But I love Monopoly. I don't know why. <laughs> it's a game that back never to my childhood. <laughs> but it is just so fun. I love it. So that's my favorite, even if everyone hates nice. it. <laughs> What's your favorite board game, Rachel? Ooh, um, that's a good question. When I was younger, I really liked Clue. Mm, that's a good um, one. I don't know what it's been lately. Um, hmm. Yeah, I like Clue. Yeah, it's a good little thinking game. It is. Oh, and recently, so Kristen introduced me to Settlers of Catan. Yes! Last year. Um, and I liked it more than I thought I would. Yes. And I feel like the more you play and understand the game, probably the more fun it is. Exactly. Everyone hates it the first time, and that's fine. You just got to play it again. Yeah. Well, what's been making you smile? Um, recently, I have been getting to be around a lot of dogs, which <laughs> I forget how, like, cute they are. <laughs> I don't own a dog. But yesterday I went to, like, an outdoor event with a bunch of people, and there were so many dogs of all different colors and sizes and levels of fluffiness, and they were so cute, (laughs) and I wanted to pet them all and maybe steal a couple of them. (laughs) So, dogs. And my neighborhood also has, like, a ton of people in my neighborhood have dogs, and we have, like, three dog parks in our apartment complex. Um, so I really just want to one day just go to one of the dog parks and, like, watch all the dogs, even though I don't have one. Is that acceptable? Do it. I don't know, but. I think that's totally appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. Great. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in, everyone. We appreciate you supporting us and learning along with us. If you could, remember to rate us on um, iTunes or however you're listening to our podcast so we can continue to reach more people and grow in popularity. We are done with this series, as Rachel mentioned in, in the beginning. So if any of you have ideas or things that you'd like to learn more about, please let us know, send us a message, um, post it on Facebook or Instagram, and let us know, and we would be happy to tailor these podcasts to you. That's all we have for you this week. We hope that you have a fabulous week filled with lots of things that make you smile and lots of yummy, dairy deliciousness.